This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies. From healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution, Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. As with any investment, capital is at risk. Hello, this is Amelia Hamilton from CityWire and I'm here at the Next Gen Planners event with Chanel. Hello Chanel, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's a good day so far, isn't it? It is a good day. It's flying by. The hours are going quick. So quick. A bit wet and windy outside, so it's quite nice to be in a, in a warehouse of all places. I know. We drove up this morning from Southampton, so it took us five and a half hours. So in Five the, and a half hours? Yeah, five and a half hours in the rain and the wind. I have to admit, I didn't do a lot of the driving. Yeah, well, that's that's nice. I guess with train strikes and all sorts, it's easier to get in your car going that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, do you want to start by explaining who you are, what you do, kind of your whole vibe? You've got so many fingers and so many pies. Yeah, I don't even... It's a funny question, isn't it? It seems so simple to ask, what do you do? But um, I suppose I am a chartered financial planner. That is my, my main thing, what I do. Um, but I also have a podcast called the Her Future Bright Podcast, which is why I'm here at the Next Gen Planners and CISI conference today. So we've got a little stand for people to come up and chat um, and talk about the podcast because I basically interview lots of different women working finance in different roles. Um, so especially for an event like this, it's perfect because a lot of the individuals here are not quite yet sure what they yeah. want to do. And sometimes it's quite hard to know actually what those jobs involve, so especially things like fund managers, yeah, it's so much jargon, isn't it? It's so much jargon. And I think also you see like TV programs and films and it like builds this whole perspective of what that kind of role looks like. But actually, when I interviewed fund managers, for example, or, or um, the CEOs of big finance businesses, it's completely different to what you think. So it's nice to give people that may be trying to work out what they want to do or their next kind of move, what that actually means and what that looks like. Yeah. What kind of questions have you been asked so far this morning? What's come up? I have all sorts, really. Everyone's kind of a bit intrigued. I cleverly put a, a QR code on the, the banner I bought with me and I just feel like everyone loves the QR yeah, code so like they can't help you. themselves by scanning it um, and then just kind of ask what it's all about and, and tell them and um, they ask kind of what things come up on the podcast and I tell them we just chat through their career basically as we start where they started and then talk through each role and then where they are now what they found hard what was amazing and then any top tips um, and we've also had a few um, uh, individuals come up and say that they listen and they really enjoy it which is always really nice and a bit weird when yeah. people actually say they listen it's so honestly it's so strange because you I don't know I genuinely enjoy the conversations like I do them because I love them so it, it's just a bonus if anyone else listens and like gets great stuff from it but it is so weird when people come up to you because they also say like oh, I feel like I know you and I'm like yeah. that's crazy but I totally get why because I'm just myself and they're listening to me so yeah it's funny so what kind of gave you the impetus to start a podcast? Was it because you uh, found like there wasn't enough information or there wasn't uh, enough information about women specifically? And what, what was your main kind of motivation? Yeah, so it basically all stemmed from when I joined the industry at about, I think it was like 17, 18, I'd go to conferences, usually with my dad, who's like very classic financial planner, he's like 60, um, and that kind of stuff. And we'd head into these conferences and there would just be barely any women like literally usually a couple and also barely anyone under 50 um, and it's just off-putting if I'm completely honest like you don't want to speak up you don't want to say anything in case you say it wrong you look silly 
Um, so that was kind of one part of it. And then the other part was I always wanted people to speak to, to understand how they got to where they were, but also somebody I could relate to. Yeah. I didn't really want to have conversations with people like my dad's age and like, and men because I couldn't always relate, whereas I would have loved to have spoken to a woman who was a, a woman who was a financial planner and understand her career. But that was actually quite hard to find, especially like going back, like LinkedIn wasn't a massive thing. So uh, like doors weren't as open as they are now. So uh, as time went on, I started having more of those conversations with women in finance and understanding other roles as well. Because although I am a financial planner, I think it's good to know what is out, what else is out there in terms of careers because yeah. there's so many and they all in- interconnect as well. And oh, the more you so know much. about something else, the the better you can do your own role too. A hundred percent. So I was having all these conversations and I was kind of like, they're so useful to me. Like I'd love for other people to be able to hear them. So I started at first doing LinkedIn Live, which was like the worst thing in the world because like literally always the tech would always break. Like my microphone wouldn't work, my headphones wouldn't work. It was just a nightmare. And it was just awful because you were live. It just made me so nervous. Um, But people were actually watching it and engaging with it. So I was like, okay, maybe I should actually do something a bit more with it. So I thought about what I could do and I... It's a tough one with podcasts because I think we all know that there's so many podcasts out there. It's quite a saturated market. 100%. Like, and everyone says, like, when you say I'm going to do a podcast, like, oh, there's so many podcasts out there. Like, And if you look at the stats as well with podcasts, like so many podcasts get less than like 30 listens an episode because people start them and they don't really put time and they're not regular and all these sorts of things. So I thought about it. I was like, there isn't anything else like it. There isn't anyone else having these conversations with women in finance and kind of lifting the lid on what they do and and tips and tricks and learning from them so it's kind of like having loads of different mentors that you can listen to as and when you choose so I thought I'm, I'm just going to do it um so I started doing doing them as podcasts and it was it was a nightmare because I've never done any of this stuff myself so like editing yeah. them like would take me hours like absolute hours um but it was so worth it and over time so we finished season three about a month ago um and season four launches in a couple of weeks and I can see now over time how more people are listening and more people are engaging and they're sharing online and saying this was really useful and it's just all the reasons I did it in the first place like people are and somebody came up to me today and said oh the like the t- tips bit at the end sort of like what would they tell someone who just started in finance they're like it's so helpful every time and like stuff like that is exactly why I did it because I wish I could have heard those things when I started in my career so I guess it's it is my passion project and I just, I just love it. And I love having the conversations. Yeah. <laughs> so I really enjoy a chatter box. So you can yeah. just use it to your advantage. Exactly. But I think on a, on a more serious note as well, in terms of, like you said, like a mentor, I think it can be really hard for younger people to find. And there's that kind of idiom, isn't it? That if you can't see it, you can't be it. And yeah. the whole idea of trying to get more women into the industry, if you haven't got that kind of... Um, representation in your face then you can't see what actually what steps to kind of follow so I think it's do you think that that could pave the way in terms of mentorship do you think digitally and not necessarily um you know meeting up one-on-one every week could make it more accessible for people to to have that kind of relationship yeah I think so I think it's kind of like a weird form of mentorship because I suppose the conversations the questions I ask in these conversations are questions I probably would ask a mentor. 
So it is a yeah. bit of sort of like an open door, like to listen in. And I do think there is also amazing benefit of having a mentor. Yes. But I also think that is easier said than done to to find a mentor that you get along with and you can learn from. Like it's only something I've started doing recently. Because also it's one of those things you just, oh, you think, oh yeah, a mentor would be great. But then it's actually getting around to asking someone to be it and whether you speak to them every month. Like it is actually yeah. a bigger thing than you think it is. And it's a commitment for the other person as well to make sure that if they're going to take on somebody that you know yeah. there's got some kind of responsibility to make sure that they're giving them the right advice or helping them move in the right direction and not being a drain on their time or energy and and actually helping yeah 100 because also often these individuals like they are really busy like that isn't it if, yeah. you're go, if you're wanting to speak to somebody that maybe you inspire to be or you you really inspire like inspirational career like all of those sorts of things but the likelihood is they are really busy so like there's that balance as well but I think there is there is more out there like the reason I one of the other reasons I started the podcast was I read um Helena Morrissey's book and it just I'd never read about a woman in finance career like I've never I'd never read about somebody that had 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 a amazing career in finance as a woman and also she had something like seven children and like she did like unbelievable in her career and after I read that I was like this is so interesting like I learned so much and that, that is another form of not mentorship from a person, but just learning from somebody else, which you would get from mentorship. It's a role model. It's somebody that, you know, you're one step removed from a mentor, but you can look to for advice and guidance, perhaps not specifically, but more generally Yeah, to, to help you get there. And I think perhaps the other thing to kind of touch on is is the murky waters of social media as well, because you've got this brilliant podcast that, yes, you're, an advisor and you've done your exams and you know the industry um but you look to social media and there's so many people claiming to to be giving you the right advice or you must do this or you must do that how do you think like navigating that area what are your thoughts kind of about all of that yes yeah, it's, it's a big thing and it's a big topic and there's loads to talk about I think so I created an Instagram page about a year ago for the reason of when I looked online and looked at individuals who had a following and they talked about finance many of them were not qualified and like that it kind of blew my mind because I thought you've got thousands of people following you and that like we understand why they're called influencers like they are called influencers because they have a massive influence like if these individuals post something on their story a lot of people are going to do it like if they say it's a good idea a lot of people are going to be like i trust you i believe in you i'll do it and that could be anything from selling their investments when the markets are down or buying crypto yeah like and we know sat here like that's not necessarily the best thing to do like i'd like to say that everyone's situation is different but it's they don't have they don't have the qualifications to speak about those sorts of things and i was like it just blew my mind and i've definitely noticed more qualified regulated individuals putting themselves on social media but obviously it's not as easy as creating an account and becoming as big as some of these other accounts like it takes time it takes effort and they are still there and they still have a lot of influence Um, but i also think a lot of these individuals that are going to social media to find help are feeling overwhelmed i think they're feeling like they don't know who to follow they don't know who to listen to they don't know who gives them the right information I think actually for sort of our generation, it's a lot of noise when it comes to finance. Like you, yeah. they actually now have so much information, so like so much stuff they can read, so people they can listen to. And they're like, and all of the time, I don't at, know. at touch of a button, yeah. it's so overwhelming. It never switches off. They're yeah. constantly Opinions. inundated. Yeah, absolutely. And 
So if you're a firm, perhaps, looking to kind of cut through that noise and get to these people who are interested in a career in this industry, as a young person kind of thriving in it, what do you think firms need to do? What should they be doing to either market themselves or or just to attract the right kind of people to their firm? Yeah, I think this goes back to something that also links massively to reaching the next generation in terms of clients as well. And something I talk about a bit is relatability. Like a lot of individuals want to, where they're going to work, they want to be able to relate to the people they're working with and, and see role models that they can relate to and that they can aspire to be and like all of these sorts of things. And like we both know that that doesn't always happen in the world of financial services. Like I can't relate to a lot of companies. Like I loved working with my dad and he's an amazing financial advisor, but like I couldn't relate to his company. Like it was yeah. super old school. Like, and that's what a lot of the companies are, which on one level is fine because yeah, there's people who totally work that. But there's a whole load more people, and especially increasingly so, that are going to want something different, yeah, right, and yeah. exciting and modern, and they want to work for companies that that look like other companies they're excited about, like Deliveroo or like you know these companies that are, that are modern and exciting, and they want that in financial services. And I think we also have a massive amount of talent coming into the world of finance. Like you can see that from today, like the yeah. amount of people in the room that are interested and they want to learn and they want to understand and we need more companies that are prepared to take on these individuals and, and help them become amazing financial planners because it's such a a great job and it's such an amazing career. And I don't think that's talked about enough and not enough companies show that. And I worked in a lot of firms where um, I couldn't be a financial planner because they always said I was too young. But in hindsight, if they actually thought about it, they should have sat me down with their, their client's children. And start thinking about generational planning and stuff like that. Like that would have been perfect, really, in hindsight. And okay, yeah, maybe you think I'm too young to sit in front of your client who's seventy, but what about his kids and his great grandkids? Yeah, like that is the perfect opportunity. Like you're getting the whole family involved. You're training up more financial planners. And now in hindsight, I'm like, what were you doing? Like it's such a missed opportunity, isn't it, to just laterally think? And I think that's also about what the the event today is is about as well, because. You go to these, we just do it how it's always been done. And we think that, you know, if we just have a seminar about ESG, it's going to attract people. And and that's not really the case anymore. Like we do need to be thinking way more laterally about how we can utilize people in different way. And that example is so true. If they had just gone, okay, you're not ready for this, but you know what? Sit down with these people who are probably around your age, can relate to you we're going to be able to future-proof our firm yeah. for generations to come. Yeah, and sure, like, in hindsight, surely that's obvious. Like, and also bringing in their thoughts and opinions. Like, the world is changing and people want different things. And if they don't start getting these younger employees, whether they're financial planners, power planners, admin, if they don't got to start getting them involved and understanding what them and their friends want, like, they're not future-proof for their business. Like, yeah. they need to start making use of those individuals because they're a huge benefit to the company. Absolutely. So I'll end with one final question because we could talk all day. Um, and that is clearly you've had, you've spoken to a lot of people in financial advice and financial services. A lot of them have given you their piece of advice from all of the advice you've heard to these people today. What is the, the thing that, that comes to mind first that you would that you would say to them? It seems so simple, but just be yourself. I think I spent such a long time trying to fit into the classic financial services, like suited and booted, 
super formal all of those sorts of things and actually as soon as I started being myself and relaxing a bit and being just who I was every day like that was actually when my career and the best thing that happened to my career that was the game changer like that was when I started doing things that I really enjoyed and, and taking on roles that were exciting and and doing the podcast because I wanted to be myself and actually like that's not an easy thing like sometimes that's actually quite a brave thing to do in an industry like this because it's hard because you stand out and be yeah. noticed because you're you're different to what everyone else is doing but it's the best thing that I ever done amazing well thank you so much for your time and enjoy the rest of your day you've had me lovely to speak with you hello and welcome to our latest podcast from the next gen planners event uh, i'm here with andy payne head of academy at st james's place thank you very much for sitting down with me andy you're welcome charles uh, i wondered first of all why you're here today what you think of this uh, great event and why you want to uh, promote sjp to these clients these new advisors coming through yeah, well, well, first of all, it, it has been a great event, and I'm I'm delighted that we had an opportunity to uh, to attend and showcase some of what the academy is about. Look, the intent is pretty simple. Um, we know the average age of of an IFA across the industry is around fifty seven, and and we need to 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 help change the face of the profession and start to make it more relevant to people of a younger generation where I think there is a great opportunity to build a career. And actually, there's a, such a significant advice gap that needs to be plugged with a next generation, a new generation of, of talent. And also, we, I, I think the Academy is a great conduit to make financial advice more relevant to more cross-sections of society and, and connecting with people in, in, in a... Uh, in a venue like this and an opportunity like this, I think it is ideal to get that message across. Yes, and I'm always interested in your academy in terms of how you you always sort of announce who's come through, and there's always someone as a former rugby star or something. Yeah. I mean, how how do you target those kind of people, and how important is it to have sort of career changes coming into advice? It's it, well, it's it, it's vital. It's a life. It has been the lifeblood of the of the academy purely because it, it, it we. Um, get an opportunity to connect with people that have got a real lived experience they've got some transferable skills that really lend themselves to financial advice so um uh, probably some of the more public uh, uh, um, examples of people that have transitioned from sport from sporting backgrounds and that's a significant has proved a significant pull for us but it, it's much broader than that across across the academy so we do a lot of work in connecting with various um, affiliations and partnerships um that might be centered on industry might be centered on on uh, on uh, subsets of society that that maybe have, have felt underrepresented in financial services so so there's a lot of work that we invest uh, in trying to make the academy relevant to a broad cross section of people it just it just so happens that i think those with sporting backgrounds have some real strong transferable yeah. skills that, that 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 work really well in financial advice and you mentioned kind of communities that maybe wouldn't normally think about advice. How important is diversity to that academy intake and how do you make sure you are getting the diverse range of people? It, 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 it's absolutely vital. And it's something that, if I'm honest, Charles, we, uh, we've, we've, we, we, uh, we haven't tracked as well or, or really sort of uh, had a, a, a lens on it, the kind of lens on it that I, I would have wanted and hoped over the last couple of years and we're correcting that now. So I think you, people want to see uh advisors that uh, and role models so ne next generation talent want to see role models that look and sound and feel like them and people want to be advised by people that have that's that similar lived experience 
So I think diversity in the profession is absolutely vital. Um, the Academy is a great conduit to bring that diverse talent into the industry. Um, and we're putting a, investing a lot of time in, 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 in um, building the, the, the relevant partnerships and relationships, but also monitoring you know, how successful we are in, in becoming relevant and attractive to more diverse uh, sections of society. And what one thing I always think with with academy, with your academy, with a few other sort of networks, academies or other big advice businesses, is a challenge you maybe have to overcome is it's, it's a very kind of, unfortunately, sort of viewed as a bit of a staid older profession. Yeah. It's viewed as, um, you know, St. James's Place is a FTSE 100 company. Yes. You've got the lion as your logo. It's yeah. almost like, it's, it's what you would imagine a, a wealth manager advice business being. In, in sort of a stereotype, how do you overcome that in terms of bringing in diverse people? Well, I think again, it, it, it's it's um, it's connecting with with groups that can, that where we can maybe leverage from them or understand from them more what the, what do they expect St James's Place to look like for it to resonate with their communities and 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 and, and, and their their. Uh, um, uh, that, that that particular part of of, of society for for one of a, a better expression. So we're doing a lot of roundtable work to s sort of break down some of those barriers. We've refreshed the branding of the academy as well, which I think makes it look a little bit more vibrant and a little bit more more relevant to use that 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 phrase again. So so we're trying to learn from the experience of experiences of people around us and adapt the the academy. And, our, and how we market the academy, how we promote the academy, so it, it feels more inclusive and and less sort of austere and, and maybe sort of the, 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 the traditional view of SJP, which I think is much exaggerated. And do you still come, have to you come across those challenges in terms of, you know, do you, is there, do you ever challenge even in sort of company level of, saying if we need to go this way instead of that way we need to you know it's not a challenge at company level i yeah. think i think everybody everybody gets you know, the, the the benefit for the for the the company and for our clients in a, in a, in attracting more diverse uh, talent so uh, and and so we're pushing against an open door in, in in that regard absolutely um it is about how do we how do we things like making the academy locationless now uh, makes it and 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 a blend of virtual training as well as face to face, removes some of those constraints for people that might have complex uh, personal lives, uh, or or might just find it difficult to travel into a location, and 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 sort of you know do classroom training from from nine a.m. till five p.m. So changes like that, but and and making that making that public, I think all automatically sort of breaks down some barriers and, and opens up the academy to to a wider uh, cross section of of uh, the potential applicants, and the companies were really, really keen to do much, much more uh, uh, of that. So, very much pushing against an open door at a corporate level. Great, and you mentioned there the uh, the virtual stuff. That's that's one of the sort of yeah. key interesting things about what you're doing. I wondered if you could briefly explain what you mean by that. And I yes. saw the word metaverse yes. recently in a release you put out, and it's and it's constantly evolving. So so. Um, what we've developed is a series of scenarios, client-facing scenarios that that um, uh, any new recruit can delve into via a, a virtual headset, so sort of ocular-style headset, and it and it allows them to 
connect with a with a virtual client and and test out some of their skills some of the skills that that we start to to uh, uh to, to cascade through the academy program in a safe environment and then get a sense of a, a client's reaction or an individual's reaction to to you know what their their own uh, uh, approach and their and their, their level of interview skill at that point in time so it gives some real-time feedback does it in a very safe environment because you're not you know you're not testing it on the public at large you're testing it in a in a, in a virtual world and you can you can run that that those scenarios as often as you like whenever you like you morning noon and night and we got over fifty three thousand different responses to ver- to those scenarios so it's 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 one where you again it's kind of whatever your response is and if you change change that response you'll get a different different response from the client so it's a great way of just testing out how comfortable you are with client facing skills wow and that that i mean that's really fascinating do you think that's something we're going to see more and more using this kind of tech absolutely so we're 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 constantly revisiting that and developing new um client scenarios a broader suite of scenarios so so um we can give a broader experience to people that are coming through the academy program it's something that we'll do um we will we will definitely invest more in because it sort of reinforces that locationless approach that we now have to the to the academy and it allows people to to access it and te- and test themselves on weekends and evenings at first thing in the morning if they choose to do so so it gives a lot more variety to a new recruit and it gives them an, a, an opportunity i think to work at a pace to suit them and at a time to suit them so it has to be good for the program it has to be good for the people that we recruit and ultimately it's great for our clients so you, one question, I'll be honest, some of my readers are quite sceptical about St. James's Place yeah, at okay. times. What would be your pitch to them as what you are doing for the next generation of advisors, what you feel you are contributing? Well, I, th- I think I think via the Academy, what we're contri- contributing is a is a, 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 an opportunity for anybody that feels that, that whether it's second careers and, and increasingly people that are, that are setting out on that first foray in, 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 into the market, um, to see uh, financial advice as a true profession uh, and to get some world-class training, development, coaching uh, to to build a, a long-term career uh, in, in the industry. So you know, I think the, the, the academy, our academy, is a way of changing the face of the profession and making it um, more useful, more vibrant, and I think also making it more relevant to to would-be clients across the uk so um uh there's nothing to fear in the academy i think absolutely it's 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 a superb uh superb training mechanism in a, in a great company and uh, just finally we've had we have quite a few students at this event today if you were a young person getting into advice or someone asked you for one tip what would be your biggest tip in terms of getting a good career in as an advisor Oh, now that's a that's a that's a great question. The one the one tip for a university student. So, so I I think um, communication skills are, are, are paramount, and and I think you know one way of of really sort of testing out whether this is the right career career for you is is in, taking an interest in others and being inquisitive about about others and about the industry. I think that that that's a great way of just um, not only testing is this the right place for you, but do you have those base skills 
to uh, to make it in over the long term as a financial advisor. So so a degree of inquisitiveness and really sort of you know finding out about people and also finding about what the industry is all about. Great. Well, thank you very much, Andy. Looking forward to seeing you in the metaverse in a few years' time. Yeah, you're welcome, Charles. Great to speak to you. Hi, I'm Zach Sharif from CityWire. We're at the Next Gen Financial Planners Conference. I'm here with Kevin Moore, Director of Global Development at the CISI. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing? Hi, Zach. Yeah, good. Thank you. Enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. We're in a we're we're here in a podcast. Well, near a podcast van, so it's all very exciting here. Uh, we've had people coming through all day. How are you enjoying the conference? Oh, a lot. I mean, I'll be quite honest. Uh, you know, when uh, Sally Plant, who's our head of financial planning, talks about setting this event up, and she said, you know, we're, I'm really going for youth, which is a different approach for the CISI. Um, you know, Zach will see, and you can't, you're listening, but uh, I am no longer can even vaguely be uh, considered young. And, uh, <laughs> and on that basis, on that basis, I'd originally discounted myself from this event. We're having a conventional conference tomorrow and just thought, well, you'd be interested to see how it goes. Sally insisted I came, and I'm glad I did because I've witnessed it firsthand the enthusiasm of two groups of young people here, really. The, the the young student population who are thinking about, perhaps thinking about careers in finance from all sorts of different backgrounds. And and then the younger people already maybe in uh, careers in, financial, in, in finance. And then the financial planners themselves who have come along to sort of mingle and, uh, you know, help particularly the younger people, I think, try and recruit them. I think try and enthuse them. Uh, into the into the idea of thinking of financial services as a, uh, a really attractive career option. So yeah, just a um, a, a word on that. So um, I, I'd just like you to elaborate on what we can do for students students both in the UK and abroad, um, as po- as to what paths are available to them, how we can help them through that journey, um, and um, what what sort of what we can be doing for them both pre university, post university, if if they even go to university. That's a pretty huge question and, and, you know, really interesting to me because a little bit of history, uh, a long, long time ago, I was a student at uh, Liverpool University, so, you know, from sort of home territory for me. And the reason I got into finance myself was because, you know, someone on the traditional milk round came along from a bank and talked about financial services. And, you know, up till then, I thought of banking as stayed. Um, you know, for anyone listening here who remembers Dad's Army, very much sort of Captain Mannering territory, <laughs> and, and and not something I'd really thought was going to be interesting. But but they positioned it as uh, you know, people need help with money, and I thought actually, even as a student, I thought you know I can see that I can see that the little old lady with no money, or the little old lady with lots of money, needs help. The the the, the small company, the big company, the all you know, all different. Frankly, everybody needs help with their finances, and that attracted me into into banking that's what got me in it wasn't anything else it was that angle of of this is a this is something with purpose and interest and that's what it did i was i stayed with uh, lloyds bank for 21 years on the back of that so i think now in terms of students today i'm hoping that some of them walk out of this session you know with with that little germ of an idea that this might be something they want to do i, I was just talking to an individual uh, before i came in you know who's uh, studying uh, for a masters you know in, in business and finance but but really, I knew enough to know they didn't really know what options were available to yeah. them in finance. Not, not many people no. do. Many it, people you know, do. They, they were doing this qualification because that it was of interest to them. And but but you know, as for what you did with it and how you got into it, and and vague notions of you know investment management, but not really knowing what that meant. And you know, and I was saying, well, I've met lots of students in my time at the CISI who say, you know, well, I want to be a quant analyst, and. 
you know, and it, whilst on one hand you think, well, fair enough, someone's got to be one. So, you yeah. know, I'm never going to say to someone, you know, you might want to think about broadening your your, your options. Yeah. Um, but like if someone said, well, I like football, I want to be a Premier League footballer, you wouldn't say, well, that's never going to happen because yeah. it obviously yeah, does yeah, to yeah. some, but not going to happen to many. And, and you know, but but I said to him, you know, there's so many other, you know, options for you in, in you know, financial planning is the focus here today. But, you know, we were talking about asset management and, and you know, that you could use your use your qualification as an entry point in and then keep an open mind about the opportunities that you see. Don't don't assume that the only goal is I want to be an investment manager or, you know, or bust. But, but think, well, actually, I you know, I want to get into these places and see what they're like, you know, kick the tires a bit, decide, that, oh, hang on, I'd like to go and do this. I said, there's no individual that's going to tell you about all the choices that are available to you because there's just so many, um, particularly in, you know, the large companies. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was always like, use your use your qualification as an entry point. Don't, you know, don't think of it as being the direct route to what no. you're going to do for your whole career. And also there's that thing of, you know, people might try, Try aspects of financial plan, uh, financial services, and realise that they're more suited to something else. Absolutely, or, you know, or that it's not for them entirely, which is perfectly valid as well. Yeah. So I think as a message, just sort of keep an open mind, you know, and and don't get, you know, particularly I think now where there's, you know, pressure on students leaving, you know, in the UK leaving university with debt round the necks that frankly someone like me didn't have to, you know, and all the pressures and you only have to switch the news on at the moment to sort of look at life and think, well, hang on, it's all getting a bit, uh, you know, a bit hectic. Um, but, but just think, well, hang on, don't, don't, don't have too fixed a plan unless you really know, unless you're one of those people that maybe has friends or family and who can direct you or give you that sort of, uh, you know, insight, perhaps work experience, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, but for many people, it's going to have to be a sort of suck it and see approach. You know? Yeah, of course. Um, and in terms of your question, in terms of how, you know, we can help, I mean, the conversation I just had then, you know, this individual had no real you know, it was here today because they've got an interest and they've come to this event to try and learn more about the industry options, talk to some people in it, that sort of thing. But really, you know, it didn't know, for example, they could take a professional qualification to sit alongside their main, you know, in this case, a postgraduate degree, but it could be an undergraduate qualification. Um, and I think we and other professional bodies, you know, need to do more to try and, um, you know, help students. I mean, at the CISI, we, 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 you know, I'm lucky enough in my job to work with um, universities in different parts of the world. And, and for example, India, you know, our most successful university connection is uh, in Bangalore, Christ University in Bangalore, where we work with them for a number of years. And they have a cohort of hundreds of students a year that take CISI qualifications in the operations side predominantly, which is right. a sort of because in India, there's huge businesses that want people to work in you know thousands in, in locations with maybe thousands of employees and that qualification makes them eminently employable you know they will walk through the door of jp morgan or an hsbc or some of the you know tata or, or whoever is providing these services um and it might not be again i think it might not be the job they they want to do for the rest of their lives you know in fact in many other cases they're probably thinking well i you know, but it's a job and it's, it gets them into the world of employment. It, uh, you know, introduces them to fun. And again, they can sort of kick the tires of a large company and decide what they really want to do. Exactly. Just to see how it yeah. works. And it, and it's helped them do it quicker than, you know, if they just took their degree and, you know, as I said to the guy outside, I said, if you, you know, you've got to try and differentiate your CV from everyone else who's going to have maybe be rocking up with a very similar qualification. 
and everyone will be telling that employer if it's financial services that I've always wanted to work in financial services because that's what you say at interviews. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, so professional bodies like CISI can help students demonstrate that that, that sort of notion of I fancy financial services is something they've done something about. And, and I think we can do better with that. I think we can work with, I've, I've been, I've talked today to a couple of the lecturers at, um, at universities who are working with students and great to hear how passionate they were about helping those students, frankly, you know, transfer from university at some point into the world of work, you know, which was great to hear because, you know, in some ways you think, well, you know, that lecturer's job is to teach the student at university, but yeah. plainly the good ones, and I've met a few good ones today, are thinking, well, hang on, my job isn't actually just that. You know, it's to help, you know, those students have good lives, frankly. And, and, um, and again, I think that's where professional bodies like CISI can work, you know, more closely with the academic institutions to, to um, you know, help students, because particularly into financial services. Self-interest as well. I mean, the financial planners here today are very aware that it's, to some extent, an aging profession. Massively. Well, yeah. There's a definite an advice gap that desperately needs to be addressed. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then, you know, I heard uh, someone talking earlier on about how they've made a career change, you know, and it was only a, from my perspective, a sort of young woman in her thirties, but she'd moved out of a sort of high powered, high flying, you know, conventional, large company, big success career, um, because she wanted more. And of course, the great thing about some of these roles is you, you it's not like, frankly, that you're sacrificing, you know, financial reward necessarily you know you can you can still you know you can make good money in a lot of these jobs at the same time as doing something that's maybe more rewarding than than other roles in a large company that can sometimes feel you know impersonal or frankly if you went under a bus tomorrow well the the, the uh, you know the the organization could just cover for you straight away and um you know she was talking about that and how now you know she loved she woke up on a monday and she was just pleased to come to work and pleased to talk to you know, she had her customers and she knew that she liked them. They liked her. She knew she was helping them. She knew that her job was, was valuable. I really hope that some of the, I mean, as I say, it's not, I'm too late for a career change at 61. It's not going to, I was sitting there thinking, you know, anyone's looking over at me and this is a career change <laughs> session. They must think, well, hang on, he's, <laughs> something's got wrong. Dream on for this guy. But, but, you know, I really, I looked around and I thought, well, hopefully, you know, there's some people here that are thinking, you know, you don't have to settle. Um, you know, yeah. opportunities and there's, and, and there's plenty of people and there's plenty of people here today who are willing to help. I mean, again, this individual came up with really great examples of someone who couldn't offer a job, but they did offer a bit of mentoring. They offered some opportunities for the, for her to see what financial planners did, even though they couldn't help her with what she had actually asked for, which is, can you give me a job? Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a lot of goodwill in the profession. And, and I think Absolutely. again, professional bodies can help bring our members, people that are here today, the financial planners, and connect them with the academic institutions to help students. So very long-winded way of coming back to your questions, you know, how can you help? And I know that makes sense. And I, and I think there's, um, it's often underestimated, of course, from students as genuinely just the goodwill of people in the profession. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that conferences like these can do is just, just ease anxiety um, and provide people, provide students with clear options. Um, Cause it's famously an industry that's kind of shrouded in a bit of mystery. Um, and you know, complex terms and jargon doesn't necessarily help that. But when you have a bridge to that, it makes it all a lot more accessible. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, we, you know, CISI is a volunteer driven organization. I mean, we're lucky enough to be able to tap into about a thousand people. We only employ about less than 200, but we have another thousand people out there all over the world, a significant amount in the UK, you know, who are prepared to give up their time pro bono 
um, to help us build the qualifications to come along to events like these. I mean, yeah. there's no commercial imperative for most of these financial planners to be here. They're not here because it's going to help their business. They might think, well, one day they might recruit someone. They're here, you know, for the good of the, of the profession. And um, and again, I think that's where professional bodies can help individuals who've got, you know, who would like to do something, like to help, like to get involved, like to do something good. We can provide the sort of infrastructure and support so that you can bring those people together and do something like this, this large event today here in Liverpool that, um, you know, frankly, no individual small financial planning firm could, could pull off by yeah. themselves. Absolutely. So we can provide critical mass and the logistical support to, to, to do it. And, and we can do more of that. And I think, you know, uh, that that's sort of, frankly, my takeaway from today is how can the Institute do more of this? Yeah, brilliant. Well, I think that's a great note to leave it on. Um, uh, thank you, Kevin. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I've been Zach Sharif. We're here at the Next Gen Planners Conference. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll catch you in the next one. This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies. From healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution, Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. As with any investment, capital is at risk. 